You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 247 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me as always in the PTUK studios this week is my co-host Matt Smith. Well, hello everyone. Welcome, welcome. How are we all? Oh, well, it's, it's a bit, getting a bit chilly outside now. The temperature's going like a yo-yo because one morning this week the car was, or the van was uh, frozen to a block of ice. <laughs> And then the next morning, it was not frozen. No, so indeed. Kind of... uh, we've had two mornings where it hasn't been frozen mm. this week, it has to be said. But uh, uh, although, mind you, because mind you, uh, it's pantomime season, so we've been taking a lot of uh, Oh, schools. no, it isn't. I have no words for oh. you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Nev, please help. And joining us <laughs> from his unfrozen stately mansion in Buckinghamshire oh. is always, it's the awesome Sir Neville Bounds. Hello, yes, and it is quite cold here. It said uh, minus one just <gasps> now when I was oh, uh, just dropped Mrs. Nev off to her Christmas party. Oh, dear. Is she, is she having a couple of uh, sherbet lemons, is she, this, this evening? Well, the thing is, with, with Sue, she has one or two drinks, that's it. You know, that, that's finished her for the entire <laughs> oh, evening. Right. So she never, okay. Oh, right. She's a, a cheap date. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, may I just say, Nev, I, I have to mention it at the top of the show, because I may not get the mm. opportunity to do so, mm. but that is a fabulous Christmas jumper to which you are wearing. Oh, yes. Let me just uh, yes. give you a bit of a, bit of a look, look-see there. That is ge- genuinely, Check ladies, and gentlemen. Guys and girls. Uh, seriously, Check ladies and gentlemen. It is worth watching the YouTube feed purely for a glimpse at the amazing Christmas yeah. jumper. Uh, it is the it's most so audio-related Christmas jumper I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. It's a bit better than it's my nice. poor effort, yeah. which is Santa upside down in a chimney. But uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, well, yes. yes. Well, mine's only got blinking trees on it. I can only manage trees. Yeah, yours is I, not a jumper, dear boy. Yours is not a jumper. Oh, it's, a so it's, a, yes, it's a cardigan. Yes, it's a Christmas cardigan. That's cardigan. not the same thing. Well, card- <laughs> cardigans are fine if you're if you're in, if you're in your late seventies. Yes, the they are age. absolutely. I fine. love a cardigan. <laughs> Honestly. Absolutely. Uh, so, the uh, uh, date check, time check. So, it is the 14th of December. <gasps> Guess what? What? It's our last live show oh, of 2018. Yes, it's our last live show yeah, of 2018. Please. So, welcome everyone who's joined us. Uh, it's just coming past 7 o'clock in the evening on Friday. And uh, we're going to say a big welcome to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. Loads of the usual uh, family members in there. We've got Mariana, Tanya W, Myla's in there, Jenny in Rome. Hope things are warm on your side. Mariana. Anna's there, Julian Garwood, we've got, uh, just scrolling up, Chris Griggs is in the chat room, Owen's in the chat room as well, so I'm guessing things are probably warmer where Owen are at the moment. A little tiny bit. Uh, Masha's also in the chat room as well, we've got uh, Neville Bounds is obviously in the chat room, keeping an eye on things, Richard Adams as well, and uh, welcome everyone who's joined us on the live show this evening. We've got an absolute load of stuff to get through. Not quite as much as last week, because last week's show was, <laughs> it was rather, rather jam-packed, rather wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we've got uh, all the usual news stories first. And uh, coming up later, we've got uh, the third instalment of Sir Richard mm. John's uh, interview, uh, which uh, Nev and Captain Nick uh, done a few weeks yes, back, which did. everyone has always well, been waiting for. And I've had some really good feedback, actually, from yeah. a couple of people that I work with who've, uh, who've listened to those. Oh, you don't make segments. your work colleagues listen to this I don't as force well, do them. Yeah, whatever. I just give them the links and they go and listen <laughs> right. to it. But uh, they, yeah. they really enjoy it. You realise me and Nev don't believe you. <laughs> oh no, they <laughs> love it. Anyway, while we're in that, while we're the busy doing the thing is they're both military aviation people. Oh, are they? Uh, what do you mean? Fans? Unfortunately, that's a good thing. <laughs> Deary me. Anyway, be- 
before we get started with the aviation news, of course, we have a little bit of uh, monthly housekeeping that needs to be done. So uh, perhaps, Sir Neville of Bounds, I could trouble you to uh, to uh, update Special the mention. list, as it were. Yes, of course. And uh, as you know, trying to keep all this stuff on the air takes real money. So uh, we are very grateful to our Patreon donors, of course. And this month, uh, it's Adam Spink, Adrian Meacham, Andrew Wilson, Captain Jeff, Eric Graves, Evan Shue, Graham Haley, Jeff Ward, Jonathan Warner, Jordan Rose, Liz Piper, Masha, Matt Caton, Matt Donemeyer, Matthew Buntingframe, Myler, Owen, Neil Lanwarn, Nick Anderson, Nico Reger, uh, Philip Laib, Ray Williams, Reuben Wells, Ryan Harper, Stuart Backer, Stephanie Plummer, Steve Andress, Stuart Black, York Moller, and also contributions uh, via the PayPal method from Tom Thomas and Jenny Parkinson. And thank uh, you very much to all of you. And not forgetting, of course, Richard Adams as well, I think. Yeah, Richard, indeed. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very indeed. good. Yes. Thank, thank you very you much to that. everyone. Yep. Yep, who helps us yeah you. absolutely very much appreciate uh, I mean, your help keeping us let's on, let's, yeah. let's be honest guys you know if 2018 um, they've helped us to we've really done some amazing things the with show that money in yeah, regards to uh, yeah, broadcast no. and stuff like that so yeah, yeah massive thanks to everyone who does donate yes. through patreon I thank you very much i am sat in front of a brand spanking new broadcast tower it's, well uh, it's, it's down there but well, it's well all cool, right yeah. well no it, the, the, the <laughs> thing is in front of me here and that was yeah. all down to to, to the listeners. to you to mm. the listeners no thank you very much and of course let's not forget that amazing 200th which i can't believe is like nearly a year ago. Can you believe it's almost a year That's ago? That's weird, isn't it? That's gone oh, so blimey. fast, hasn't it? Blimey. Absolutely. So, yeah, so we've got, uh, as I said, we've got the Sir Richard Johns interview. We've also got some military news. Uh, we've also got some audio feedback as well. It's been sent in uh, by some listeners, some festive audio feedback. So we've got that coming up later. And then, obviously, at the end of the show, we are going to rerun our video of the Christmas competition, so all the questions will be on there to uh, to listen to. Yep. And uh, we, we, again, yeah. we've had some more more uh, uh, mm. uh, answers, correct answers, I should yeah, stress yeah. again this week. Yeah, yes, we have had correct. I've answers. heard a few people saying that, um, uh, that they're a bit difficult as well. Still, I'm just <gasps> oh. complaints that, uh, that they're <laughs> a bit hard. Well, that that's the idea, ladies and gentlemen. Just yes. to test your brand. Yes, absolutely. Well, that book, that book that we had the signed copy. Of yeah. Sir Richard John's book. Uh, let's be honest, the Star Prize. Now that that is not Nevsky something is. that should be given away easily. This is the long, the long and the, sh- the short of it. You see, we <laughs> have to we have to do these things, you know. So it's uh, it's uh, yep. we've got to make it earn it this year. I'm afraid. I think so I think that. The, the the fact that it's been signed by Sir Richard is pretty awesome. And also, obviously, for those of you who listened to the the uh, various parts of the interview, you know this this guy trained uh, Prince Charles. Mm. Yes, uh, and we like him despite that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, front on the inside cover it says, uh, "With best wishes for Christmas and the New Year, uh, December 2018." Richard John, fantastic! So that's wow, himself, that's and I saw him sign it personally. Yeah, so. absolutely. So that is, you know, just the epic prize it is. Uh, for uh, for the for mm. the uh, for the winner. And, and, uh, uh, and yes, those questions are going to be coming up uh, very shortly. But I think we should get things underway. Yep. So as we uh, yes. do then each week, we are going to start. Uh, the with the commercial news from around the world and the UK. So if you were all ready, oh yes, born ready, Nev. Yep, let's Same go. Here. Let's 
So, kicking off this week's first news story, this one is on skynews.com, uh, their website. And uh, the headline, it's a headline which I've talked around about on the show uh, all year, I think, has been the uh, the emotional support animals oh, right. on aircraft. <laughs> so, uh, this particular airline uh, bans emotional support animals on long flights. So Delta Airlines is introducing the ban uh, after an 84% increase in animal incidents, including a passenger being attacked by a dog. Really? So Delta Airlines says it's introducing the new rules after an 84% increase in animal incidents in 2016 to 2017. They include a passenger being attacked by a dog as well as animals urinating and defecating while on board. The US airline is also introducing a ban on any animal under four months of age, regardless of the length of the journey, including service animals which help people with disabilities. The change does not affect pets that customers pay to take onto the cabin in enclosed carriers. Delta says the new rules will take effect from the 18th of December, so that's not long uh, away at all. Customers who have already bought tickets before the announcement will have their journey honoured until the 1st of February next year. The airline is not alone in changing its rules for, of uh, comfort animals, with others bringing in bans to restrict the type of animal allowed after goats, pigs and snakes were brought in on board by passengers. P- P- pardon? Yeah, that's right. Delta. There's a, there's a film about that, isn't it? Snakes on a plane. That's my actual <laughs> it wasn't idea. Goats of on a plane. Yeah. No. Delta requires passengers to prove eligibility for emotional support hmm. animals with a form uh, of a medical form, professional voucher, uh, vouching for that particular illness. They are different uh, to trained service animals, uh, which work to assist people with visual impairments, deafness, seizures, and other limitations. Both types of animals fly for free and are not required to be caged by, uh, during the flight. John Laughter, John Laughter, Delta's senior vice president oh, for I'm corporate not, safety, not, not security, and compliance, said that these updates support yeah. Delta's commitment to safety and also protect the rights of customers with document needs, such as veterans with disabilities, to travel with trained service and support animals. So I didn't think it'd be too long before they started to uh, do this on long haul flights. I don't think this will stop on the short sectors in within the US, but. Um, I could imagine it would get rather whiffy on a 10, 11, 12-hour <laughs> flight, you know, with sort of seven or eight dogs. I mean, what, what do you do in a situation like that? Because, I mean, obviously... Especially if it's a whiffy dog, because I mean, some I, dogs can be, whiff, you know, a bit doggy. What, what they come with free Wi-Fi? Well, so, not, so can some passengers as well. well yeah, 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 point yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, doesn't make a lot of difference. Uh, it's kind of frowned upon, though, if you, if you spray the dog with deodorant, as where well. I think humans, <laughs> you can probably get away with that. Yeah, probably considered bad form, yeah. Yes, yeah. indeed. I wondered if the... Um, I don't know. Also, also, although I mean, to be fair, I mean, Alfie has proved it on numerous occasions. Alfie actually. doesn't smell. No, 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 no. I, I didn't mean that. <laughs> I, I meant more like we we have had situations because Alfie's bless him, I love him to bits, but he's he's got a bit of a weird quirk in the fact that he won't go to the loo unless there is grass present. So we had uh, a weekend in London. No, I'm not, I'm not even making this up. We had a weekend in London where we couldn't find any green grass, and so the little tyke basically held it for 13 hours. Oh, I know. And I, to the point where I was getting really worried because it's like, what am I going to do? Because he's like, you know, because he's never had an accident inside or anything like that. I mean, but a 12-hour flight for any animal, I mean. 
don't know. Do I you know, mean, I, 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 I learned about um, Regent's Park and Hyde Park uh, at school, actually. So right. um, <laughs> no. I don't know if, I don't <laughs> know if you're aware that no. they do exist in London. No, I, yeah, I, I see what you did there. Just going, uh, yes. <laughs> going to the chat room, Richard Adams has said that uh, don't they need the dogs to help drag off uh, overbooked passengers? Good point. Good point. Well um, made. Yeah. We've got um, Jenny Parkinson says, Rome to New York with a dog means having a stopover over because of the eight-hour rule. Oh, right. Okay. Um, we've got um, uh, Jenny in Rome has also said doggy nappies. Is that a thing? I don't know. I am so is. ordering. Do you know what? I, actually, I got, I'm going to look that up now. When, when I've read my story, I'm going to look up doggy nappies. I'm getting Alfie one. There's no way to do. When it's raining outside, he can use one of those. He's not going outside. <laughs> uh, Micah, our main man, Micah, who's in the chat room, has oh, also said, Hello, Uncle Micah. Hello. Has also said that one of the problems with current society is that many folks will not separate animals from people. Animals are not people. Oh, I don't know. I'm quite attached to Poppy, to be mm. fair. She, you know, yeah, I she think is... that's a, a bit of an outrageous statement, really, to sort of say that animals are not people. They are people. Uh, yeah. They're kind of very people. No, no, know. no. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on this. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. Um, I, I love, I love. And in that. fact, I'm not going to lie to you. I quite often prefer humans to. <laughs> I, I both, quite often prefer animals to humans. I can assure you of that. So, yeah, a 270 um, odd passenger uh, seat passenger jet, you know, with 200. And, Eighty. Uh, no, I think that might be a step. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I think dogs. that might be a step too far. <laughs> I fill an aeroplane with two hundred dogs. I don't think that's going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what if they were hot dogs? Hey. hey, I know. So moving swiftly on to the next story, uh, which Matt is uh, a story all for you. And uh, oh, this was amuse me. I do love it when you give me a story that says that there's a video to play and yet I'm But you can do that after you finish. Can I? Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, oh, I need Sam for this one as well, do I? Right. Anyway, so Turkey of the Week. So this is campaignlive.co.uk is the website and the headline is Turkey of the Week. Ryanair's Christmas ad fails to take off, which is slightly <laughs> odd. Uh, budget mm. airline offers a festive blend of boredom and confusion. Oh. <laughs> Ryanair is a brand that un- unashamedly does de- 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 Defines itself by being cheap, but this is spirific. But hit, but this uh, I've forgotten how Sopor- to talk today. Soporific, soporific, or uh, yes, is yeah. it soporific? Is that it's the right word? Terrible, just put, put terrible yeah. But this terrible effort, there we are, <laughs> would struggle to find a home in Poundland if they <laughs> shop if the shop stocked bargain ads. Uh, when a family excitedly opens their gifts on Christmas Day, all of the presents are revealed to be fifty-pound Ryanair vouchers because <laughs> that's what people really want. <laughs> instead of say a computer game <sighs> or a piece of jewellery, the joke is told at twenty seconds in but Ryanair insists on repeating it with drastically diminishing returns for almost another minute if you persist until the end you'll likely be both confused and bored in equal measure an experience that all budget airline flyers should know all too well. now this popped up on my news feed early this week and I, I, right. I, play, I played the video right and I have to say it really really did amuse me because it looks really well done. You th- kind of think to yourself, oh, this, this is a nice advert. You know, yes. they've really put a lot of effort, effort into, into it, you know, right. the story okay. and the kind of background. And then, yeah, then you kind of see what happens. But if you do watch the video, actually, um, when you when the camera shows the presence under the tree, there are actually aviation-themed presents under the tree. Right, okay. Well, that, that'll please you, certainly, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right then. So, so let's give it a go, shall we? I, I'm going to try. Um, 
Uh, here we go. I think I might be able to do this. For those of you watching in the world of YouTube, yeah, um, if you haven't seen the video already, um, but uh, Matt is going to attempt He's going to attempt to play it for yeah. you now. Here we go. Oh, look, Dad's bought me an aircraft. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, Mum's bought me a rocking horse. That's lovely, isn't it? Look, he's chuffed to bits. Look, it's a Boeing. Right. <laughs> then he discovers it's an Airbus. Oh, oh look. I, <laughs> I wouldn't tug at that thread if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. There's some very excited faces in this particular oh, oh, video. What, what's he bought oh, his wife? I reckon it's a necklace that he's I just, think it's yeah. a... Oh. oh, my goodness. It's a Ryanair voucher. 50 quid. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, lovely. I like the hat, by the way. That's a nice little Boeing hat there. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Very good. Right, the children seem more excited about the vouchers than the grown-ups, it has to be said. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, uh, Nev, any thoughts? Well, I was just thinking that if, if I ever dared give that to anybody, I'd be in so much trouble. So, uh, but, uh, yes, it's, oh, it's all a bit... Oh, uh, dear. Well, wasn't that lovely, everybody? Uh, that was I truly quite did, I yes. <laughs> I can imagine uh, if I offered that to Gemma for Christmas. <laughs> I can't imagine your wife flying well, uh, around voluntarily. Uh, Owen says in the tra chat room, he says, guys, you're missing the point. Any publicity is good publicity, right? Yeah. Well, yes, maybe. One of the, the lovely things about Owen, though, is because is he, he is one of life's glass half full kind of people. Uh, so, yep. you know, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Richard Adams oh, in right, the chat so, room. Uh, oh, Richard Adams says, he says, they're not thinking straight. They won't get enough baggage allowance for the other presents. <laughs> There's a lot of well truth yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes, so that, uh, that's quite nice. It's uh, nice that they put a little festive... Uh, advert together uh, for the for the uh, season <laughs> so yeah. well done Ryan. I, I i really rather uh, owen says it that's very michael o'leary but we'll gloss yeah. over that and move on I must, I must be honest i think the highlight of that video for me was the music i thought it was lovely. oh it was lovely <laughs> yeah so moving on to the next uh, festive story then uh, nev this one's uh, for you uh, Jenny actually said before we yeah. move on. Jenny said, uh, "I bet most men would prefer vouchers to socks." <laughs> I think she might be right. Mm. Well, that's that is a good point actually. Yeah, that's very <laughs> much so. Well, this story is on the uh, HMGAerospace.com, and it says that British Airways IFE in-flight entertainment, Ooh. has a festive makeover. And mm. BA has added a selection of festive content to its in-flight entertainment system with new Christmas films, TV shows, ep uh, TV show episodes, and audio available. The festive cheer category features up to 40 new films, TV show episodes, audiobooks, and music CDs. The two most popular Christ Christmas films on board last year, The Holiday and Elf, will return alongside Gremlins, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, Scrooged, and Miracle on 34th Street. Television episodes will include the Vicar of Dibley Christmas special, Nigella at My Christmas... Uh, at my table Christmas special 2017 and festive music uh, in, which includes carols from the choir of King's College Ooh, Cambridge I do love that uh, the festive season is a special time for uh, customers and this new channel should help them feel particularly Christmassy on our flights 
said Carolina Martinoli, uh, British Airways Director of Brand and Customer Experience. Alongside popular film favourites, we've also got hilarious comedy, interesting documentaries, uh, documentaries and rousing carols. There is something for everyone. BA will also be serving Christmas meals on flights as Ooh. the day approaches. Uh, the airline's in the midst of a £6.5 billion investment for customers, which includes new cabins in its Boeing 777 aircraft operating operating out of Gatwick and the new cabins feature a Panasonic in-flight entertainment system which has been updated with larger HD screens doubling from 6 to 12 inches in World Traveller Plus and increased from 6 to 10 inches in World Traveller. Mm. Well, I'll I'll try and test a bit of this out because I'm flying to Jersey on the 24th of uh, December. So we'll see um, see what we've got in the way of uh, food and all that sort of stuff. Won't we'll get much in the way of in-flight entertainment, but uh, I'll see if they've got any... Uh, Nice festive food. I assume it's a spe- yes. I, I assume all jokes aside that actually the the IFE system available depends very much on the aircraft involved, yeah, yeah, does yeah. it? And the routes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And honestly, I, I, I know we've talked about this before, but I do still question some of the value of the in-flight entertainment in terms of the uh, the, the cost associated with it, right. the weight penalty on the aircraft compared to people who bring their own stuff, sort of tablets, you know, yeah. download content on their tablet. So I think there's still a requirement for in-flight entertainment of, of the sort that BA and other uh, airlines are offering but I just wonder how long it's going to be before we see less and less of, of that sort of thing. On well board. of course as, as uh, sort of in-flight technology and things improves of course I mean there is going to be a point where essentially the Wi-Fi is so good that everybody can be streaming straight off servers mm. onto their tablets and you know so all you have to install on the plane seat is a sort of two or three amp USB charging point and then everybody yeah. will be happy you know and that's obviously going to have a far less weight you know a far lower weight penalty if you like on the aircraft than because uh, let's be honest people are bringing their ipads and stuff with them anyway aren't they i mean because yeah. people don't tend to leave home without them now do they exactly yeah it's very true actually i'm surprised there's a couple of films on here that I, I was hoping to see on here one of which being the best christmas film ever which is national lampoon's christmas vacation oh with chevy chase <laughs> and uh, obviously i'm surprised they haven't put on the list here um die, die hard, hard 2 yeah, absolutely die hard 2 yeah, yeah die hard 2 that would be have to be yeah. one of mine as well oh you got you got to love a bit of um oh what was bruce name? willis no 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 what was his name um he's not with us anymore sadly uh british guy that um fell to his death in, in oh, oh, Han- oh, Alan Gru- Rickman. That's Alan it, Alan Rickman. That's it, that's it yeah. He played Hans Gruber. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not Christmas <laughs> until you've seen him fall off, you know, fall out. Oh, of that the was sky. the first one. That was a Nakatomi oh, was one. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Was that not Christmassy as well then? No, Die Hard 2 was the one based at an airport. Oh, and it had lots of aircraft oh, in. Yeah, which with is, his wife on the plane. And that's, that's it, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah, the one, yeah. Oh, I have yeah. don't get much in the way of uh, aviation uh, accident documentaries on planes, I've noticed. <laughs> no, I think that's a good <laughs> thing, though, Nev. Probably the reason for that. Yeah, yeah, although, absolutely. don't forget, it is one of the, Chris, the Christmas prizes this year is, is the box set, the oh, yeah, crash yeah, investigation yeah, box yeah, set. Definitely. Yeah. But moving on to to the next story, and that the next story is on the newsandstar.co.uk mm-hmm. and uh, the headline is Dubai-based ca- uh, airline Emirates to hold cabin crew recruitment event in Carlisle. Ooh. Ooh. So uh, candidates are being sought in Carlisle to join an international airline as cabin crew. I didn't know sheep could apply. In Carlisle? 
God. <laughs> and you have a go at me, honestly. Dubai-based carrier Emirates is holding Sorry. a cabin crew recruitment open day on Thursday, the 13th of December. Actually, that was uh, yesterday, actually, in Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the airline is looking to recruit wi- uh, men, uh, men and women to fill the positions which have been created due to continued growth. While no prior experience is required, applicants need to be at least 21 years of old age at the, age at the time of joining and have an arm reach of 212 centimetres oh, yeah, no, when insane, standing yeah. on tiptoes. Right, okay. As part of the employment, cabin crew will have other benefits, including tax-free salaries, free accommodation in Dubai. Uh, Richard Dewsbury, Divisional Vice President for UK for Emirates, said what the airline is looking for from an inter- uh, interested applicants. They want open-minded crew, uh, helpful, friendly, service-orientated people. Um, that's what they need from people to, for, to deliver the award-winning uh, service uh, from Emirates. Uh, the open day is a great opportunity for people to get their flying career off to a great start. Uh, as I said, the ap- application the open day was yesterday, but you can still apply with a CV uh, in English uh, with uh, a f- recent photograph as well. And there's more details on the Emirates website. So shortlisted candidates will be informed of timings for further assessments and interviews. And he says that it's an exciting time for Emirates as they continue to grow and they encourage interested applicants to attend and meet some of the cabin crew staff who will be happy to answer questions about the role and life in Dubai. Must have, I do like Dubai. I love going there. It's an awesome place to go yeah, on holiday. But uh, it's mm. nice to see uh, such a huge carrier as Emirates, you know, um, looking for crew in the UK here, you know, people who Well, I think they quite, to, to be fair, I think they do often advertise and, and look for crew ba- based here in the UK, but mm. uh, um, I, I, I don't know, perhaps um, uh, perhaps Carlisle was on the list last year, but I, I seem to remember they do do a tour of, of England, mm. so it's not just London based, they do actually do uh, recruitment events at, in different locations uh, in the UK. I think they've, they've done that for, for certainly many years as far as I'm aware. I think it's good, though, in the current sort of global climate situation type thing of jobs and this, that, and the other. It's nice to see, you know, for uh, for people who do have that kind of like of aviation that they they have the opportunity to, to apply and go and work for um, for such an awesome airline. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So next story, Matt, is uh, we haven't had a story about Jet Two for a while, have we, on oh, the show? Dude. Let me guess: is, the, is or, it alcohol based? Well. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Or fighting on an aircraft. Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, yes, that 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 would be uh, un- terribly unusual. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Travel Weekly is the website, uh, travelweekly.co.uk, and the headline is disruptive passenger order to pay airline £3,000. So a woman involved in a fight on a Jet 2 aircraft has been ordered to pay the airline £3,000. The service from Stansted to Gran Canaria in July 2017 had to be diverted to Faro in the interests of safety. The argument escalated to the point of physical violence, leaving the crew with no choice but to divert the aircraft to Faro Airport so that the couple could be removed by police in the interests of safety, according to the airline. As well as banning the couple for life, the carrier also took steps to recover losses which it incurred as a result of the unnecessary diversion. Passenger Pauline Gordon, who was travelling with partner Roland Saintville, has now been ordered by the Clerkenwell and Shoreditch um, 
County Council Court to repay more than £3,000. Jet2.com Managing Director Phil Ward said that this is the latest of many successful court rulings against disruptive passenger behaviour, showing once again that there are serious consequences if you act in a disruptive fashion on board an aircraft, as well as being banned from flying with us for life. Miss Gordon must now repay us for losses incurred, which came as about, about as a direct result of her actions. As a family-friendly airline carrying millions of holidaymakers, many of whom are our family, Families. We want to our customers to have an enjoyable flight experience without actions of disruptive, uh, without without the actions of a disruptive few spoiling it. For and may I say, ladies and gentlemen, amen and well done to them for that. I absolutely hate. The yes, fact nice to see uh, uh, airlines cracking down on, that, on this. My only disappointment was it should have been about uh, three or four times that amount. Well, yes, uh, indeed, if, if absolutely. I, uh, meeting out the. Uh, the penalty there but uh yeah can we can we just not do fighting on aircraft ladies and gentlemen <laughs> it's just it's just bad form it is it? jolly bad yes. form isn't it also and i still think this is all very well that they've now been banned for life from jet two uh i th- i still think that they should have an embargo where if you're banned from one you're banned UK from airlines, all. i yeah. think I, well, even if it's yeah. just uk yeah. airlines yeah. or or you know uh, or, or people could participate because frankly uh i think they should be banned from jet two they should be i reckon they should be banned from all low-cost airlines well you I know think the CIA should step in and actually uh, give them uh, you know if you if you're in trouble with one airline right. uh, what's to say yeah. you, you won't do it again so the CAA yeah, should step in absolutely. and say sorry guys yeah. uh, you've had your one chance that's it that's I think they got off lightly three grand I mean I I'd, mm. I'd be surprised if it didn't cost the airline more than three thousand pound for um for the for the you know the fuel burn, all the extra stuff that has to be put in place uh, you know when the aircraft gets uh, to its you know diversion point or you know other landing place. But yeah, yeah, maybe they haven't got you know ground hand or or you know crew down there to, to well, deal yeah. with the turnarounds and all the rest of it. There's so much uh, <laughs> uh, you know I think think I forget who it was that told me, but it was either Captain L or somebody like him mm. uh, was just. Telling me that the real costs the involved cost, of yeah, a, a diversion yeah. like this is absolutely mm. eye-watering. Yeah. Well, uh, well, because as you say, uh, it also Faro may well have been an airport, of course, that they don't fly into, as you say. So they've got no mm. arran- pre-existing arrangement. They're essentially landing as an emergency, aren't they? I mean, that's essentially. Uh, you know how how they sort of get on the ground quickly, and I think Jet Two do go to Faro, but maybe okay. you know the, the the frequency of you know of yeah. flying isn't isn't that great this time of year. But uh, no. yeah, that was a, a bit of a fail on on the part of the passengers there, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, Not definitely good. bang out bang out of order as we were saying. So Nev, the next story for you is a bit of a, a bit of a tech story for you next. Yes, it is, and uh, this is on the businesstraveler.com, and I'm going to give this a go. I've decided, uh, only for the for the research purposes of course, absolutely. for PT UK, but we'll yeah. we'll see how it goes, uh, because it says that British Airways is getting ready to launch a new digital bag tag option next month, mm-hmm. which will allow users to sync the tag with flight details held in their BA app. The carrier has yet to announce full details of the service, and indeed the website address, ba.com forward slash tag, which has been set up for launch, currently simply says, digital bag tag coming soon. That's because they haven't launched it yet. (laughs) Um, But according to the um, uh, latest edition of BA's Business Life, magazine carries a promotional page confirming that the service will launch for customers in January 2019. Uh, So this is how it works. Uh, According to the page, uh, tag is a digital reusable bag tag that seamlessly connects your luggage to your smartphone. Simply attach your personal tag to your luggage before you arrive at the airport and the BA app makes sure 
your details travel with it along the way. BA says that the tags will cost £60, which is about 76 US dollars, and can be reused more than 3,000 times. And the airline adds that unlike similar products on the market, tags clever design doesn't require you to screw mount it to a, a suitcase or use adhesive materials, working instead like a traditional luggage label, which can be transferred to whichever piece of luggage the customer is traveling with. The carrier says that the tag is affordable and accessible, especially if you're able to expense it as part of your business travel costs, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> says that it will save time at bag drop facilities. Business Travel, in fact, first reported on BA's digital bag tag trials back in 2013, with the carrier st uh, stating at the time that the service could reduce the time spent at bag drop to just 35 seconds. And last month, they reported that BA is trialling it across over 7,000, uh, sorry, is trialling access to over 7,000 digital magazines and newspapers in the carrier's lounges and in flight. Well, I've got a uh, trip to Edinburgh at the end of uh, January, and I've got a trip to Amsterdam at the start of Feb. So I'm going to see if I can have a go at this, and I'll do a bit of a report on it, if you like, yes. and uh, see how I get on. Yeah. Definitely, absolutely. Sounds good, though. Sounds. Uh, I wonder whether other airlines are going to try um, and uh, adopt similar kind of processes. Mm. Hmm. Mm. We'll see. So we'll next see. story. I'm sorry, we can't move on, Carlos. What's You've matter? taken your hat off, and I can't cope. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's well, very stressful. The, the chat room was just saying they wish to see the the, the hair. Yeah, um, you do actually have hair. People sort yeah, of don't realise that you do yeah, actually have, have hair. hair. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. You've been to see Bert, Bert recently. I did. You? Yeah. Right, okay. I went and saw Bert. Oh, yeah. and it's back on. There it's we back. Are. On. Sorry. <laughs> so hey, the next uh, carry on. the next story is on the uh, DailyMail.co.uk website, and uh, it's good news for Tui or T-U-I. Ah, uh, you uh, see, that's where they've dotted the I's and no, crossed I the T's. I didn't say that. And put so, you in the middle. The headline, <laughs> TUI tops ranking of world's most climate-friendly airlines, with Virgin Atlantic and BA among the worst for CO pop, oh. uh, pollution, and Alaska named the most efficient U.S. carrier. So TUI is the most eco-friendly airline in the world, while Virgin You're Atlantic... Oh, go on. In the way. You know, you've got to do it, you've got to do it Jeremy Clarkson, haven't you? This uh, is the thing. As, uh, you so, Tui is the most eco-friendly airline in the world. While Virgin Atlantic and British Airways are among the worst for pollution. According to a new report, German organisation Atmosphere has rated 125 airlines from around the globe based on carbon emissions, calculating using the aircraft type in fleets, engines, winglets, seating and freight capacity as well as load factors. The worst performing airline overall according to the study is South African Airlink while most eco-friendly in the US is Alaska Airlines and the worst for carbon emissions in the US is Envoy Air, a subsidiary of American Airlines. TUI, formerly known as Thomson Airways, was praised in the report for flying highly efficient aircraft such as the Boeing 737-800 and for seating being at its almost maximum capacity combined with the very high occupancy rates. It narrowly beat Brazilian-based LATAM Airlines which is rated second best and China West Air which is third. So the rest of the top 10 is made up of uh, Sun Express, uh, Thomas Cook Airlines, uh, Air Europa Express, 
uh, Condor Flugendeicht, uh, which is ninth. <laughs> I beg your pardon. And China-based <laughs> Juniao Airway Airlines. I think that's how it says. Uh, BA, which has the biggest fleet in the UK, came in at 74th out of 125. While Virgin Atlantic fares even worse, coming in at 83rd place. Flybe is in 98th place, and the worst-ranked UK-based airline is BA City Flyer, which falls in at 102nd place. Among the US airlines, Alaska Airlines is 22nd in the rate ranking, uh, Delta Airlines is 45th, United Airlines is in 50th place, and American Airlines in 58th with uh, Envoy Air coming in at 122nd. Virgin Australia International is 18th on the overall list, while Australian flag carrier Qantas came in at 49th. Uh, meanwhile, the report also suggests that airlines with new aircraft, such as the Boeing 787-9 and A350-900s, or the new A320neos in their fleets can achieve better eco uh, economy and efficiency with their aircraft. So it's safe to say, really, that I think a lot of this obviously is down to the type of aircraft and obviously the age and the engines and stuff, because obviously new engines are a lot more fuel efficient and more eco-friendly nowadays. Mm. Um, so I think you know when you do put this up against a fleet of aircraft that are fairly old, because mm. uh, obviously BA still have um, still got quite a few seven four sevens that they have in their uh, mm, fleet. Yeah, thirty five, I think, still. Yeah, um, you know, with an airline like Tui, I think Tui have got a, f a handful of 767s left the older ones but most of Tui's fleet now is made up of 787s and the newer 78 uh, 737-800 but mm. um it's it's nice to see yeah that you know that Tui did come out top and uh you know we we do we love Tui I, I did always one of the airlines I used to always love flying on was Thompson when they were Thompson Airways yeah uh, if I uh, mm. going yes. going going back to the the uh, hat debacle moment a mm. moment ago, if I could perhaps uh, uh, suggest that at, you know, as obviously the technical producer here at Plain Talking UK, oh, you want the hat off? Uh, yeah, uh, right. for the first time ever, the lighting was actually right. We could actually see your face for the first time in however many episodes it is that we've been here. So uh, I think we should make him have it like that all the time. He's gonna, he's gonna look at this. Look, look. How, yeah. If I pull this, look. Yeah. Just, okay. He says describing something on an audio podcast. Sorry. Brilliant. Well done. Uh, <laughs> okay. Anyway, while he's busy uh, fluffing his <laughs> hair, uh, I will uh, move on to the next. Oh, this is this. a bit of a posh story. It, yes, here, it looks Matt. very posh. This looks this, very. This posh. is on the traveller.com.au, so that's the Australian version of the traveller.com website. And the headline is: Boeing Triple Seven X private jet can fly more than twenty thousand kilometers non-stop. Uh, and connect any two cities. So Boeing has unveiled a new jet capable of connecting virtually any two cities in the world. In the world. <laughs> uh, the, the BBJ 777X from Boeing Business Jets can fly more than halfway around the world uh, without stopping further, to, further than any other business jet ever built. The jet is based on the popular long-range aircraft, the Boeing 777, typically used by commercial airlines including Virgin Australia for long-haul flights. The new business jet comes in two variants, the 777-8 and the 777-9. Both offer a range of more than 20,000 kilometres, far enough to easily fly 
from Australia's east coast cities to London or New York non-stop. This means these jets would be capable of performing the flights Qantas wants to achieve as part of its Project Sunrise, the airline aiming to have non-stop flights from Australia's east coast to London and New York by 2022. Unfortunately for Qantas, these plans won't be able to make these distances as commercial flights. One reason the BBJ 777X jets can fly so far is that as private jets, they won't be weighed down by hundreds of passengers' luggage and cargo. At present, no commercial aircraft from Boeing or Airbus can make the distances Qantas requires. Airbus has indicated it believes it's uh, it's Airbus A350-900 ULR. Now, that's ultra-long range, isn't it? Very good, yes, Matt. Thank you very mm. much. Uh, might be able to fly the routes with some adjustments. Greg Laxton, head of Boeing's business jets, said that the company's exclusive customers wanted to be able to fly non-stop to their destinations and do so in comfort. Now, I should just stress, actually, that if I was going to fly from here to Australia uh, and somebody offered me uh, a flight in said 777X, I think I would be able to cope. Looking at the pictures yeah, on this story, Matt, honestly, yeah. well, Matt just yeah. pinged some up there already. Yeah, I'll see if I can um, get some up on the... On the, on the uh, I, looked at, I looked at a few. There's a, a YouTube uh, video. If you search YouTube, look for triple seven bbj there's a youtube video showing the interiors of the, or the interior of this particular jet and stuff and what it looks like matt will just pop up pictures in a moment but honestly nev could you imagine you it is almost like uh, a hotel lounge area yes it, it will do won't it it will do so uh, yes, I, I couldn't think of anything better actually. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, yeah, very, uh, very comfortable indeed. I think so. I mean, it's certainly looking quite yummy in the pictures. I say I'm just having to play them from the website, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, look, it looks really rather you know, sit down and have a nice lunch, doesn't it? You know, absolutely. I presume it's obviously, crazy. I assume it obviously comes with appropriate staff. What is that? What uh, is that? Somebody described to me. So the jet aviation is designed for the entrance to the private the entrance. I know entrance. For goodness it's sake, crazy. With, a little, with a little holographic globe that's in the middle. Oh, that's I know, I know. Tech, isn't it? I love. I rather the like the bed. bathrooms and the cl- and the cloakrooms. The bar, the bathrooms as big as a house. Yeah, I know. Well, of course, if you imagine, you know, you, you take all the regular seats out of a, a Boeing triple seven, you've got yes. an awful lot of space to play with, haven't you? Really? So, uh, yeah, uh, you can do some pretty uh, funky things with it, and uh, they certainly have here. Haven't they? I, <laughs> I have to say that the bedroom here certainly uh, doesn't doesn't. Isn't that dissimilar to, I think, the Vegas suite in your home, to yeah. be honest, actually? I saw, saw that. Look. It looks very like it. I rather like the shower as well. The, the, it's a massive shower, honestly. It's, sort it's crazy, of, isn't it? It is literally honestly a home crazy. in the air, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. To have the money to actually be able to either hire or own one of these BBJ. When I am a billionaire, I, we will have one of these. I think you All would. Right. I think you would need to be a billionaire. Yeah, at least. Yeah, you I would, don't think yeah, a millionaire would absolutely. cut it uh, yeah. with with these. But um, yeah, it does well, look and you'd awesome. have to hire it, wouldn't you? I mean, because yeah. you, you'd never own one like that. I mean, honestly, how much must any idea? We're going to have to do some cost? homework, and because yeah. the I think there is a company that uh, will will obviously have these and 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 push these out, and to see how yeah. much it would cost to to to. I don't know, to hire for a flight over to the US. Right, okay. much it would cost. Yeah. You'd take mm. you and, uh, tw- you know, 15 of your richest <laughs> of your friends. Mates. Yeah, absolutely. We'll split the bill. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's that's clearly <laughs> yeah. the way forward. Anyway, you get the gist. It uh, looks absolutely beautiful, doesn't it? So, Nev, yeah. the next, uh, next uh, f- oh, well, next uh, foodie BA well, story for you. Yes, unfortunately, we go from the sublime to the uh, somewhat ridiculous. Because, <laughs> yes. 
uh, on the uh, Times Now News website, it says that uh, this British Airways business class dinner menu has gone viral for a very bizarre warning. Um, if you're flying business class, you're assured of comfort, convenience and a tad of indulgence. From spacious seats and quality service to entertainment options and fine dining menu, Business Class promises to offer top-notch flying experiences to passengers around the world. However, the experience is not the same for everyone when it comes to food. Dr. Michael Brown, who's an American radio host, was shocked after seeing a rather bizarre warning on his business class dinner menu. A picture of the menu has now gone viral on social media. The radio host was on board a BA plane when he stumbled across a, a tasty sounding dish called Home County's Venison Stew on the dinner menu menu the dish was supposed to be served with rosemary dumplings roasted peanuts and wilted kale uh, however the description of the dish was bizarre to say the least even though greatest care has been taken due to the nature of the product there is a small risk of bullet fragments that could be found in the meal read wow. the description the 63 <laughs> year old took a picture of the menu and shared it on twitter with a caption You've got to be kidding me. Uh, whilst the description may sound serious, uh, Brown told the son he had a good laugh with the flight attendants after reading the menu. The two flight attendants I spoke with had never seen or noticed this before, but got a good laugh out of it, Brown told the son. Uh, after, the, uh, after the picture of the menu went viral on social media, a British Airways spokesman said, these warnings are there as a precaution and are common practice. Uh, we source the best British ingredients for our uh, in-flight menu, and this is no exception. So uh, he obviously thought he'd, he'd give it a shot. Oh, I saw. <laughs> yeah. Although actually, I'm a little bit with them, a uh, little bit with him a bit on this because one of the things that I find really frustrating is that I have, and I'm sorry that I'm about to say this out loud, but I have in my lifetime frequented a McDonald's. I know. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. And I do find it slightly disturbing that when you buy like an apple pie or a coffee, uh, they and, and in this day and age, you have to put a label on it that says "caution: contents hot. may be hot." And you think I'm going to be yeah. really disappointed if the contents of this product is not hot uh, and I, I suppose in in BA's defense this, of course this is the same thing it's like every care has been taken to hopefully ensure that the shot has been removed from you know the the the, the creature that has been um, you know turned into lunch essentially um, oh. but uh, of course there is always that risk and in fact actually to be fair if you have ever bought um, what they you know if you bought buy a very fancy um, meal from uh, say like M&S quite often you'll find mm. the exact same warning on yeah. on their products so uh, yeah I think it's uh, it's I think it's quite commonplace I, to I think if you're things, having something like venison that you know you're gonna it's, yeah. it's gonna you know yeah. happen May yeah. contain venison. Yes. Yeah, may, make, yeah. yeah, there's always a strong risk it might contain venison. Yes. <laughs> yeah, perhaps we'll have to see what's on the menu um, yes. when you fly with BA uh, next, yes. uh, Nev. You know, I will. Pheasant, I'll have to start reading all the information. Quail, <laughs> quail, <laughs> yeah. pheasant. 
has oh yes does. The, the caviar yes. as well oh, yeah. it'll be, uh, oh it'll it's be a killer isn't it <laughs> yes <clears throat> so the next story is on uh, the awesome flightglobal.com website and uh, there's a few pictures here which Matt will bung up at some point actually I have a video that and, uh, uh, one of our regular listeners oh, yes. has, uh, has sent us so uh, the, uh, the headline in uh, Airbus unveils the ANA A380 with turtle themed mm. livery as one does so Airbus has shared images of the Al Nippon Airways first A380 adorned with the unique livery after 21 days in the manufacturer's Hamburg paint shop. Uh, the jet, one of the A380s ordered by ANA, will now undergo cabin completion, uh, followed by ground and flight tests, says Airbus. It notes that the A380 is Japan's first and will fly um, from May uh, 2019 next year uh, to be used uh, and to operate a leisure route linking Toyo, uh, to Tokyo's Narita with Honolulu. Uh, the aircraft's livery, victorious in a 2016 design contest, is dubbed Flying Honu, in reference to a Hawaiian term used for sea turtles, says ANA. Across its A380 fleet, there will be an uh, emerald green Hawaiian ocean and an orange Hawaiian sunset aircraft. Uh, versions uh, of this uh, livery, as well as the blue one, Hawaiian sky, they say. And it's safe to say, looking at the pictures, um, Matt's just running the VT there of uh, the paint being applied onto the aircraft. But uh, there's a few of these on uh, some of the aviation photograph, photo, uh, photography websites, I should say, mm. of this aircraft up close. And the paint job is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing, isn't it? It yeah. is absolutely ridiculously amazing. It looks, the colour is so good. And the, the way yeah. these guys have uh, applied the paint to the aircraft, yeah. it's, it's just fantastic. It? it really is. And I, I, I really do think that on any other aircraft, it wouldn't quite look the same right? Um, okay. with this particular paint job. What do you think, Nev? Yes, and of course there's always um, weight considerations as well. And I I've, I've did see some figures about how much the paint actually weighs as oh, well. Really? So these, these things have you know uh, some consideration as well. But uh, it does look absolutely awesome, doesn't it? And uh, the, uh, the craftsmanship that goes into this is incredible, isn't it? It is, yeah. No, it is lovely. So, I, I absolutely, I absolutely love. I love, I love anything like this where they where they've gone to that much trouble just to. I mean, I suppose you could argue essentially that it's a very expensive process to do because I don't suppose said customized paint job is going to be particularly oh God, cheap. I, I bet it? that's really expensive, yeah. really expensive. Yeah, indeed. But to be able to fly on that particular, you know, that that have that aircraft for that livery because, like I said, the story says there's going to be a few others with slightly different ones, oh, as right. opposed to the okay. standard fleet of ANA which have oh, a standard cool. livery so you know if you pick a flight that's got this particular um, scheme on indeed you yeah. know it's going to be worth taking a few Instagram pictures it is yeah because you may not see it again it'll be something yeah, else it's yeah it's really absolutely. good really good uh, so we're moving back to the world of technology for, yes. for the next story uh, this is on CNN Travel and the headline is will robots take over our airports so that'll be the question vexing um, uh, sorry would you uh, would you tip a robotic waiter, it says as the start of the story. That will be the question. Vexing travellers eating 3D printed meals prepared and served by robots if one restaurant boss gets his way. Hong Kong restaurant group Maxims wants to open a smart restaurant at the city's international airport to make the facility even more efficient. The proposal, which was floated earlier this year, will improve travellers' culinary experience, says George Mew, Maxims' director of manufacturing 
manufacturing. Raw materials will be freshly prepared in the smart kitchen by robot arms and automatic machines. It might not be as strange as it sounds. Robots are staffing airports around the world. At uh, Incheon International Airport in Seoul, South Korea, for example, robots escort late or lost travellers to their departure gates. At New York City's LaGuardia Airport, um, robots are equipped with cameras and act as another set of eyes to supplement existing security, according to the airport operator LaGuardia Gateway Partners. Meanwhile, at Singapore, Shanghai Airport, robots clean the floors for 10 hours a day. Uh, so, robots, the best solution to all problems? Question mark. The nearly half of all the world's airlines and 32% of its airports are seeking a partner to further investigate robotics and automated vehicles in the next three years, according to 2018's Air Transport IT Insights Survey. By 2030, robots are expected to have replaced check-in processes, according to a report published this year by UK-based inventory managing company Vero Solutions. In 2016, Geneva Airport tested a robot called Leo, developed by CITA and robotics company Blue Tonic, Blue Botics. Uh, passengers checked in by scanning their boarding pass on Leo, then dropping their bags inside the uh, robot's secure area. <laughs> Leo then delivered it to security personnel. Airport operators are exper experimenting with robots or intelligent machines to help check in baggage or assist passengers find their way through busy airports. Uh, you basically get the gist of this story. So they're talking about sort of... Uh, now, I'm a lover of technology. I'm the first to say this. But one of the things that I love, and I don't go to many airports, I'm the first to admit that, obviously given my... Uh, you know, In fact, I've been probably to more airports in the last couple of years than I think. <laughs> I ever have been in my entire life I rather like seeing and meeting humans because they're mm. almost always very friendly very lovely and actually that interaction with the person at the desk for me is as much a part of your you going on holiday mm. uh, as it is so actually I disagree I don't think um, I don't think this is a good thing and I love my technology I'm the first to sort of say that but can't we just let people keep their jobs on this occasion I, I just think I just and think humans don't shame. have don't have BSODs uh, blue, sc blue screen of deaths yes that's true mm. yeah well I mean if they choose another operating system of course then mm. they wouldn't get blue screen of deaths either I mean obviously <laughs> if it was on a Mac platform they obviously <sighs> everything would be perfect well they are yeah. But uh, I was uh, in discussion with one of our listeners just this week, actually, and she was saying that, uh, you know, she someone's got someone's very close to her that is uh, quite a nervous flyer. Um, but I think actually that human interaction is really important. I agree. Um, I whether it's agree. on the aircraft or whether it's in the terminal, whatever it is, I just think uh, this the, the, there's something being taken away from yeah. uh, the way we, we go about flying when this happens. Yeah, so, indeed. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you can never completely do away with the human element because obviously there are some um, scenarios that would pop up where actually you need, uh, you know, there isn't all, in certain situations, there isn't always a black or white answer as to whether, you know, a, uh, you know, you can't resolve all situations with a yes or no, can you? And that's where you need the human because any amount of AI intelligence is is not going to be able to deal with all scenarios. I just let us have our people in our airports, please. Don't don't take them away from us. And as for having a blooming waiter, like a robotic rate waiter, bringing you your <laughs> dinner, it's just no, just no. Come I mean, on. one of, one of the pictures on this on this story, Matt, has like a, a robotic sweeper, carpet sweeper thing, and I do see the point. I think. 
you know, of having, because, you know, airports have millions of miles of carpets and, and walkways, and to have a robotic sweepery kind of thing whizzing around yeah, all day. No, no, I, I get that, and I must admit, I have on numerous occasions been tempted to actually put, poke one. Because um, oh. you can get these little ones, can't you, oh, that will mm. actually work in your home. Um, but yeah. can, we, can we not. Can we not just? But the the floors are being cleaned by humans now. Can they not keep their jobs? And yeah, maybe that, just way, carry that on is, cleaning that is their, a point. Cleaning the floors because I mean, you but know, but it's got a smiley face on. Yeah, right. Okay, but I'd rather have an actual human smile yeah, at true. me rather than a painted on. You, no, I'm sorry. So moving on to the last story, and we have, well, it's been so many years now. We actually do have some good news regarding. Luton Airport. What? <laughs> Nev. Yes, I mean, this airport comes in for a considerable amount of stick, mainly from me, uh, because when I used to go spotting at Luton, which is just about 30 miles, 35 miles down the road from where I live here, um, it was such a nice little airport. This is before EasyJet started and Ryanair and all the, all the big airlines. So are, are, was, are you, are you blaming it on them? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> in a roundabout sort of way. Right, okay. No, but obviously the, the expansion that's gone on at Luton is massive o- over the last uh, 10 years or so. And the infrastructure really has never been up to, uh, to dealing with it. So uh, Luton finally announces that they have upgraded the terminal and uh, they'll officially uh, open uh, the newly upgraded terminal after three years of work, it must say it does seem longer than that. I've got to say, but the Certainly refurbishment, like <laughs> yes, the refurbishment also includes a new, a new, a new dual carriageway, which has been odd to have inside the terminal. But I'm assuming they mean on the outside. <laughs> right? uh, a bus interchange and multi-storey car parks. Inside, there are eight additional boarding gates, an expanded security search area, plus extra shops and seats. Uh, the £160 million project is the biggest in the airport's 80-year history. Uh, Nick Barton, who's the CEO of London Luton Airport, says this is a new era for the airport. We are the fastest-growing major airport, major London airport, sorry, and are now in a position to play an increasingly important role in the UK's aviation network. Well, as we know, uh, it's also a very big uh, business jet hub as well. Uh, Harrods Aviation and other operators are there too. So it's it's a really big airport now, but relatively, or had relatively small amounts of infrastructure, but uh, things are improving, and frankly, they needed to. Um, so uh, let's hope that uh, this uh, latest level exp- of expansion will help them. Yeah, yeah well, so. I think, remember you know, the times that we've flown from there quite a lot actually Luton Airport because the flights were so incredibly cheap to go to Malta from there from Luton although the flight times were quite early in the morning but did you know, um, Air Malta operate from Luton at all um, Carlos? No we, we used to pick up uh, the EasyJet or Ryanair flights to Malta from mm. um, from Luton but um, no I don't think I don't think Air Malta did f- don't think they no, did. no they've, they've got their route from South End now and from Gatwick um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, the, the, I all just just remember the hideous security uh, queues at security um, checkout and stuff at yeah. uh, Luton and stuff. So hopefully that's all been Mind addressed you, now. Um, I have to say, certainly based on my last couple of experiences flying through Stansted, 
Uh, I'm not entirely sure that that Stansted these days is any better than Luton when it comes to things like that. But that's probably because it's just increased in passenger numbers. I think uh, people that are using. Stansted but then Luton now. is in the same boat. You see, mm. I mean, that's one of the reasons yeah. why they've done done the uh, development. Essentially, is because it is, um, you know, it's got an awful lot of flights going through it. Far more than I th- again, far more as Nev said, like the, than the airport was ever designed to do. This is this is. Oh, and Pip is a frequent uh, visitor to Luton as well. Right, yeah, that's okay. a Luton. Uh, Do they have uh, much base. call for biz jets in Luton? I think that's, that's <laughs> well, uh, Pip's hub, I think. The uh, nice, uh, well, it is, yeah. And yeah. The, the reason for it is obviously it's one of the closer airports to London. Um, flying into North Holt is also possible, or Farnborough. Um, uh, but now they've got some fairly sensible wait, wait, train wait, routes. Wait, uh, well. Nev, 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 Nev. You're not seriously suggesting that London South End Airport isn't actually that close to London? Well, yes, there's been lots of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, embellishment uh, and exaggeration <laughs> when it comes to London. Yeah. London Oxford Airport is just down the road. It's excellent, well. of course, yeah. yes. Uh, as you know. Yes. So, yeah, it, it's, um, well, they've got to try and do something, haven't they? But actually, uh, I think Luton's business, I mean, there's also a big cargo operation there as well, not, mm. not as big as East Midlands, but mm. there's a lot of cargo flies in and out of Luton. Um, and actually, there's a lot of, quite a lot of night flying goes on there as well especially yeah. uh um, aircraft coming back in quite quite late but say that yeah the the business operation the business jet operation plus the uh inclusive tour operators um as well mm-hmm. represent a very large part but the problem used to be was the infrastructure around the airport yes. was always yeah. a bit well, it was just never designed for the size mm, no, of the operation. For the volume of traffic. Yeah, Very yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, I should yeah. just say, actually, we've just been joined by Podcast Royalty in the uh, chat room. Oh, it's, well. that, it's that time of a Friday night again where Steph is essentially finishing work and now driving home. So mm. hello to Dr. Hello, Steph. Hello, Dr. Steph. Uh, welcome to the, the show, as always. Say, drive safe, everybody's drive safe. saying in the chat room. Yeah. Yes, She's using her Bluetooth, I yeah, yeah, so we've yeah. got to do so. We've got. To, I know it's going to be really hard for us, but we've got to not make her laugh, all right? No. All right, Nev, none of your silly jokes. Actually, have you got any festive Christmas jokes up your sleeve? Uh, yes, I have, and uh, none of them are broadcast, oh. unfortunately, but I, uh. I, I might... Uh, yeah. See if you I can find one for on. after the Christmas messages. Go on. Okay, I'll do my best. Good luck, I'll sir. Good best. luck. So that is where we are going to bring the commercial news segment to a close, and uh, on that note, I'm going to hand things over to Nev to introduce the next part of the show. Yes, thank you very much indeed. Well, this is my favourite part of the show at the moment because next uh, it's time for part three of the excellent interview that Captain Nick did with Sir Richard Johns. Well, we join this part of the interview with Sir Richard explaining about the record keeping that he did, which enabled him to recall events for his autobiography. Considering the... I'm, I'm moving on. I'm skipping mm. around your book. Uh, and First of all, may I um, comment... Um, on your uh, very impressive uh, recollection of, of the details. Did you keep a, a diary during your career? No, not, not a diary per se, um, you know, a day-to-day type thing, you know, like Mrs. Dale's diary or whatever. Uh, but of course, logbooks are, um, as you well know, are a very useful source of information in checking where you were, dates and things like that. Letters, um, a lot of letters. My, my wife was a very good letter writer because I did nine years in Germany mm. back home. Her letters have been a, a, a very useful source of information on, I mean, not just what the squadron was doing, but squadron parties, things like that, and the atmosphere, where we were, where we were going, where I was, and when I was there, and so on. 
And then I do, over the years, um, I, I, do, I have a, what I, out in the, out my shed, I've got my black book. Um, and in my black book, uh, over the years, I've noted down things that interested me, either from reading books or what happened on a certain day. And so I, I've got, you know, without never thinking about writing a book, I've got quite a source of information for those days. And then, of course, later on, um, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly, you know, in the latter part of the book, just checking one or two details, I've used the good offices of the uh, historical branch. Yes, very useful. Uh, yeah. And they're very fine chaps too. Um, moving on a little bit, um, I was delighted to see you touch uh, on the stories of the Bricksmiths, Chipmunks and the RAF Pembrokes yeah. that flew down the Berlin Corridor over East Germany. And uh, very little is known about their their secretive role on that. Perhaps you could explain a little bit about that. Well, I mean, going back, I mean, on, in the Harrier Force, uh, when I was a squadron commander, Friday afternoons was always ground training day. And because of Tackerville, I mean, you, you, people today just probably don't understand the import of Tackerville, particularly in Germany, when it was a multinational tactical evaluation of your ability to go to war and do your job. And on uh, Tackerville, when they came, we would quite often have a, a quiz, uh, a recce quiz. And we also had a secondary role uh, of, of reconnaissance. And, and when I say it was, it was every bit of military equipment uh, within the Warsaw Pact and, and indeed in the Allied Tactical Air Forces, the ground stuff, the aeroplane stuff and so on and so forth. So Friday afternoon during ground training, we always used to have a recce quiz. And sometimes, of course, it was aeroplanes and sometimes it was uh, you know, armoured fighting vehicles and so on and so forth. And these pictures were always crystal clear. And sometimes they'd almost be looking into a, a has on one of the Soviet uh, hardened aircraft shells. And I can remember sitting there thinking, I, was, I wonder where the hell they get these pictures from because it's obviously not satellite uh, photography. How the hell do they do it? And then, of course, I go back to a few years later, I'm back at Goodersloe, and the same quality imagery is still there. And I'm still thinking to myself, you know, well, how did it do it? Well, uh, after I left Goodersloe, a year later, I, I was promoted. I go back to Ryan Darlin as a senior air staff officer, and uh, the intelligence people were in my sort of my area of responsibility. And I get a briefing, and I get a briefing on a special operation, and it's all about Pembroke reconnaissance operations. And I then found out I was the authorising officer for these operations. <laughs> and these were Brilliant. specially modified Pembrokes, um, which had you know, really state-of-the-art cameras uh, and so on, that would fly, you know, because there were three corridors in and out of Berlin, as you probably know, and that they would fly down a corridor and they could see at 10,000 feet or so, and they could see a very, very long way into Soviet-occupied East Germany and snap away as they went down there. And then they would come back via a different corridor, doing precisely the thing on the way back. And when they were landed at Gatow, which was RF Gatow in Berlin, the aeroplane mysteriously always used to go unserviceable. And then the next day, uh, they would have to take off for an air test and they would prowl around the Berlin control zone photographing anything they wanted to see in there and outside, <laughs> and, and so on. Uh, it was, it was a, a quite remarkable operation. And what really makes me laugh when I look back on it was these were flown by 60 squadron. And when the Harrier forces at Wildenroth, when we had three, four, and 20 squadrons there, 
they were all us Harrier guys strutting our stuff, you know, like all Harrier pilots tended to do then, possibly still do. Um, and there were these guys who were flying these missions, you know, up and down the um, Berlin corridors. Never got a peep of it. Never. It was, I mean, the, the, the security was absolutely tight. And those guys knew that if they went outside those corridors, they were in great danger of getting shot down. Mm. Which would have been a huge embarrassment when they discovered the oh, oh, photographic yeah. equipment. So oh, yeah. they were on a hiding to nothing, really, weren't yeah. they? And then based at Gatow to maintain an air presence in Berlin, we had a couple of uh, chipmunks. And they used to fly around the Berlin control zone, albeit no, nothing, they couldn't sort of fit powerful cameras in, but the guy in the back would have a very powerful camera. And they would be photographic as well. And the quality of uh, imagery that we got in for intelligence purposes Add that to Bricksmith's tour uh, operations, the, the British missions of the Soviet commander-in-chief, outside the Berlin control zone, all around East Germany, and sometime, dare I say, going into prohibited areas and the rest of it prohibited by the Soviets. We, we had very, very good imagery uh, of the Soviet equipment, you know, both the, the standard type stuff and then the new stuff coming into service. Brilliant. Um, Thinking on to uh, our frontline aircraft, and I'm now specifically thinking of the Phantom, perhaps during the Falklands War, and the, more importantly, the F3 uh, in Operation Granby, and to a certain extent the, uh, um, the IDS. Um, it was a surprise to me how many modifications we needed to do to our frontline aircraft to bring them up to a standard we considered suitable to actually go in real live operations. I, I recall the F3 received over 120 modifications, some of which were quite dramatic, that had been left off the aircraft we considered frontline machines. Um, how is it that we allow our front or allowed our frontline aircraft to be bereft to a certain extent of equipment and yet still consider them to be operational on the front line? Well, I have to say straight away, my fingerprints will not be found on No, that. no, I wasn't accusing you, well, no. just your opinion. Um, Gulf War, uh, which I, I was obviously very heavily involved in from, from the word go, um, as director of operations down in the, the joint headquarters, um, meant transposing uh, basically a, an air force that was a European-based air force. I mean, we're talking about 1990, we're talking about the end of the Cold War. The Air Force's focus of operations was Central Europe, because if there was going to be a war, that was going to be the, the, the focal point of the whole, whole war. So everything we did uh, in, in terms of our operations at the time, whether it was the GR tornadoes, the Harriers or whatever, were focused on a central region war. Uh, and on the course, and on the peripheries, up in Norway and down in the, the down in the south, but very much uh, in, in the centre. That was the main thing, and that meant all sorts of things in terms of modifications to the aeroplane to accommodate the pressures of a completely different environment in terms of engine protection from sand ingestion and goodness knows what else. I can't remember uh, the details of all the modifications. I can remember some, particularly to do with engines, on all the aeroplanes that we sent down there. And there were other things like secure radios 
uh, that we had to get uh, uh, put into work in, 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 in conjunction, particularly with the United States Air Force. You're quite right. There, there was a huge range of modifications that were put into the airplanes that went down there. I think we sent something like 150 aircraft, and that's not including helicopters, mm. you know, down to the war. Hell of a commitment. It was a hell of a commitment, and our engineers and logisticians, and of course by then uh, options for change had not started to bite. We were talking about blue suitors doing the whole job and so on. Did an absolutely brilliant job, not just for the, the sharp end of the Air Force, but also very much for the, 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 the combat support aeroplanes. And I'm thinking of the air transport force and, and again, very particularly the air-to-air -air refuelers. They did an absolutely brilliant job. But they you're did. quite right. The, the, the were deficiencies, both in terms of weapons, uh, in terms of our tactics, that was very important, which again, were, we were in a rut. Yes, that was something I was going to yeah. come on to. You mentioned specifically in your book that we, we had a narrow, defined role within the, goal, goal, the Cold War, yeah. I'm sorry, um, and we needed to be able to change our tactics dramatically uh, for the Gulf War. And I, I remember chatting to a Jaguar QI who had spent his entire life imagining delivering weapons from low level and was now being asked to do medium yeah. level to high level deliveries yeah. and he had no ballistics no ways yeah. of yeah. he was calc making calculations on the back of a yeah. fag packet yeah. as he said uh and so were we blinkered too much yes i mean i i i, I made the I, I was a senior air staff officer mm. i've been a senior air staff officer out in germany for three years where i went to strike again as the senior air staff officer and i had what about a year in strike command just over a year, if I, if I recall, before the Gulf War um, blew up or Saddam Hussein invaded uh, Kuwait in August 1990. Um, yeah, we were in a rut. I mean, our, our, our whole operational focus had been absolutely zeroed in on, on the Warsaw Pact. And I'm not just talking about the airfields and uh, fighting for air superiority. But in terms of nuclear release operations, in terms of anti-armor operations, how on earth we were going to stop this great flood of armor coming across the North German plain, all those sort of things. And yes, we were, we were in a tactical rut because all of our operations at that time on our, uh, on our fighter type aircraft was based certainly in the central region on low level operations. Why was it based on low-level operations? Because we didn't have the equipment to survive at medium level. Electronic warfare equipment, all the stuff that the Americans had. And we couldn't rely on the Americans to give us that support if we were going to operate at medium level. So the thinking went, if we're going to sort of attack the Soviet airfields or Soviet large concentrations of Soviet armor, how do we get there? We get there by flying very fast and very low and using our navigational skills to avoid those areas where we know that Warsaw Pact GBAD air defences are concentrated. So moving out all of a sudden, and all our weapons, by the way, our principal weapons were all designed for low-level uh, delivery. Our cluster bombs were all delivered from low-level. JP-233, the airfield denial weapon, all delivered from low-level. And then suddenly you take the whole shooting match, not the whole shooting match, but a large part of the shooting match, out to uh, the Middle East. And then, after a very short while, and this story, I think, as people say, that we, forced, we were forced up to medium level because an unacceptable loss of uh, tornadoes or GR1s 
uh, in the early days were absolute rubbish. Uh, we weren't forced up there. We decided to go up there because there was no point in, 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 in continuing JP233 operations against uh, Iraqi airfields because the Iraqi Air Force had thrown in the towel. And it was quite obvious that they weren't going to oppose us. And in fact, if you remember, a lot of them scooted off to Iran. Yes, they had, yes. Gone and and so we went, we went up to medium level because there was no point in sticking down, sticking down at low level when a lot of their light anti-aircraft uh, uh, artillery you know, was, was, you know, was, was, was pretty severe. We only lost one aeroplane uh, during an airfield attack. And people overlooked that, just one. So we went up to medium level, and what did we discover? You know, we weren't very good at it. <laughs> um, you know, and, and free fall bombing, which we were doing initially, uh, we, we actually thought at the time we weren't doing too badly until we got satellite uh, reconnaissance imagery in, which showed that we were, we were doing badly. And that was the time when Paddy Hine, who was the joint commander, at last managed to get uh, agreement from the MOD and indeed our host uh, to deploy Buccaneer Pafes by aeroplanes so that we could actually start using laser designation in a big way. And thereafter, of course, the, um, the effectiveness of tornado operations just, you know, from being down there went up like that. Absolutely. And we started to learn then that, uh, hang on a moment, and I remember this, and I think I've written a bit about it in the book, you know, we're proud of what we achieved, but by goodness me, the message was loud and clear. Come on, we've got to start thinking far more widely and we must not remain sort of focused on an entirely low-level environment. My goodness me, and that is the end of part three. Wow. What Incredibly a... fascinating, honestly. The, the, the amount of different countries and stuff um, that Sir Richard has, mm. has been to and, and flown in, honestly, never. I'm surprised you could actually concentrate, Nev, when you were filming, you know, you know <laughs> being so drawn in by the conversation that you kind of forget to do any panning and zooming yeah. and, uh, and all the rest of it. Well, I think that the thing is with his listening to his uh, account of things, you really are uh, get get the feeling that you're actually there with him because his his honesty and his transparency about the whole thing is absolutely fascinating. And uh, listening to him as I did, and of course you don't, you don't really hear everything that he says when you're there. You, no. It's only when you play it back after. You go, oh wow! And you, I've played it back several times now. Yeah, uh, and uh, but uh, yeah, uh, and it just gets better and better because uh, part four. Uh, next time round uh, contains even more revelations and Can't some wait. fascinating insights. Yeah. So I, I think I think I should just sort of say really. Uh, so uh, next week uh, the there isn't an episode, uh, and that is because it's the PTUK uh, Christmas. Christmas. Well, it's a, it's a it's a multi podcast Christmas special yeah. that we recorded uh, sort of uh, early part of last week. Uh, but uh, part four will be joining us uh, in the New Year show. So they will. Will be one more episode to enjoy before the end of 2018 uh, but yeah what a fascinating series it really has been it's been yeah. it's been really good i've got to um put all these onto a, i'm going to try and get all these onto a few dvds for my uh, granddad because my granddad asked me a, a few weeks ago because he knew we were interviewing sir richard okay um and he was um he was in the navy not the royal air force oh, but cool. obviously still he's, fascinating he's still to fascinating yeah, to, yeah. to to my granddad i mean granddad's 91 <laughs> yeah and um but still Fully, um, fully, you know, um, 
with it as such yeah, granddad is and and yeah. Uh, yeah he wants to to watch all this so what i said to him i'd do is put these all on the D- dvd for them because mm. yeah. they've got yeah, a dvd plan he can watch these all um you can you watch know, it back to back to back, back, back yeah, yeah. Absolutely. so uh, so yeah thanks again nev uh, and obviously captain nick as well yeah. for for that that's and of course uh, sir richard johns and sir richard yeah thank you sir richard johns so next up on the show then uh, we've got some festive grey news stories military stories so if everyone's ready Yes, we love the grey. Let's go. children lots of our listeners do love the kind of jest. we jest <laughs> so the first uh, military news story is on the royal air force or raf.mod.uk site and i think most of us uh, associate uh, military tactical aircraft landing on nice asphalt or concrete or paved runways but uh, this uh, story the a400m uh, successfully which completed, we saw at Farnborough which we did see at Farnborough yeah, and at Riyadh yeah, yeah. a few years back uh, the A400M successfully completes first beach landing trials wow. with a military crew so members of 206 Squadron supported by LXX Squadron engineers based at Royal Air Force Bryce Norton have been practicing their skills during beach landing trials in southern Wales wow. Uh, beaches are routinely used by the Royal Air Force for training operations with other tactical airlifters, and the A400M showcased its superb tactical capabilities on natural services by performing takeoff and landing and taxi maneuvers. So uh, the versatility of the A400M Atlas means that it has a capability to land on a wide variety of surfaces, including natural surfaces carrying a very large payload. This tactical capability was demonstrated during the trials on Pembry Sands Beach. Uh, Wing Commander Neil Phillip, Officer Commanding 206 Squadron, said that my specialist team has worked hard to deliver this trial and it has showcased the tremendous tactical and potential of the A400M. Once this capability is handed over to the front line it has the potential to have a great impact on operations uh, flight lieutenant cheng of 206 squadron a pilot uh, in uh, 206 squadron said the advanced flight deck of the a400m and cutting edge flying by wire make the uh, controls uh, the task even easier uh, to fly than other platforms we are now looking forward to the challenging uh, of conducting this operation using night vision goggles uh, in a later in on in the actual trial itself so matt you put the pictures up on the screen now while you're doing that it's impressive to see because most of the sand i can remember walking on is quite boggy and Uh, yeah i I was popping some of the pictures up while you while you were doing that story and one of the things i was a bit ashamed about there's one that where it's hovering above the sand there's one where it's really really close to the sand Mm. uh and then there are no pictures of it on the sand (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think it's definitely gonna landed quite, on the That's going to have quite a. Um, that's going to leave quite a wake, shall we say, in the sa- I mean, a rut. A rut. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how do you get it out again? I mean, it's, oh, is it just sheer power and brute force by the engine? I think the sand is quite compacted in in that particular part right, of the okay. beach, but I still I, think I mean, it's, it's amazing. Sort of, it sort of defeats the object. It have had to rock up and down it several times with a massive, like you know, roller, <laughs> roller. just to sort of get it nice and flat and compacted. I mean, that sort of takes the element of surprise out of it, certainly. It's quite impressive. The the pictures are fantastic. Oh, you know, Herbert took the pictures. Absolutely. Uh, the 
really, stunning. really impressive. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, for those of you listening to the audio podcast, don't forget that all the uh, links. news stories and links yeah. are, are included in the show notes. So if you want to look at any of the pictures and have missed them and any of the videos, all the links and everything that you need will be in there. So next story uh, for Matt. This is in a very important story for it all the indeed. children Absolutely. listening to PTK. Well, and adults, too. And adults, Thank you very yeah. much. Some yeah. of us still believe in Santa Cruz. Yeah, Santa Claus. Uh, Santa Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. Santa Cruz, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Huh. Uh, anyway, the U.S. Air Force is uh, the, uh, the military website that this is from, and it's labelled the headline, Tracking Santa, which is always nice. So, uh, uh, Santa travels at the speed of light and NORAD is there. It's a heartwarming Christmas classic or maybe a Hollywood blockbuster. The story goes like this. A well-meaning big business botches its newspaper ad for the Christmas call-in to Santa. The bungled marketing campaign goes unnoticed until a child tries to access the Santa line and gets the Commander-in-Chief's hotline at the uh, Continental Air Defence Command. And the Director of Operations answers the phone. The quick-thinking director, Colonel Harry Shoup, a Christmas-spirited officer, commands <laughs> his staff to check the radar for the whereabouts of Santa and his sleighful of toys. With the answer, a Christmas tradition is born. It all began 63 years ago when a Sears, Roebuck and Company store near Peterson Air Force Base in uh, Colorado got the idea to promote their Toyland as it never had before. Hey kiddies, the ad began next to a headshot of Santa. Call me direct. Just dial... Unfortunately, that wasn't Santa's phone number. It went directly to the Commander-in-Chief of Operations hotline at Conan. Conad, sorry, uh, the, con the, Comfort <laughs> the Continental Air Defense Command, the forerunner of NORAD, the North American Airspace Defense Command, headquartered at Peterson Air Force Base, Colorado. NORAD is a binational uh, U.S. and Canadian organization charged with, among other responsibilities, the monitoring of man-made articles in space. Uh, Shoup believed that he saw an opportunity in this child's call and had his staff check the radar, note where Santa was, and the tradition of giving children updates on Santa's progress began. Radar satellites, Santa cams, and accompanying, accompanying jet fighters, F-16s, F-15s, F-22s, and CF-18s track Santa's progress as he travels from the North Pole. In fact, it's such a worldwide tradition that updates are given in eight languages annually. Uh, more than 1,250 volunteers in the NORAD tracks in the NORAD track Santa's call center. Um, will give sorry will each serve two hour shifts they will be posting to social media tweeting answering the phones and responding to emails the call center is open 24 hours uh for 24 hours beginning at 5 a.m eastern's uh est uh in uh, on the december the 24th center travels uh with the speed of starlight and his ability to circumnavigate the globe globe is greatly enhanced by a fighter jet mission in North America. Santa's preparations and journey will be followed in real time starting Christmas Eve on a special holiday website. It's up and running with a holiday countdown clock, games, movies, daily activities and music. Uh, children of all ages can dial the toll-free number one... Um, well, I'll read it out. So obviously in the, if you're in the US, obviously then dial one eight seven seven four four six. 
6723 to get a moment by moment update. Norred has the experience and the state of the art technology to accurately track Santa, but only a very minimal amount of federal funding from both the US and Canada is used. In addition to the countless uh, volunteer man hours, almost all of the funding for Norad Track Santa program comes from over 60 corporate sponsors. Uh, it says, uh, true story, you've got to believe. I mean, it's just, what, what a lovely, lovely story, really, in this, this sort of terrible day and age, really. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it's nice to know that the kids, yeah, obviously, with, with this, um, yeah. with the tracking thing, but also, I know Flight Radar 24 does the whole uh, Santa's sleigh oh, yes, tracking do, thing every they? year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you've got, because um, there's different pay versions of uh, Flight Radar 24 yeah. app, uh, I think there's a silver... Uh, yeah. and a gold or bronze and silver and gold uh, thing but if you pay for the actual icons to, to represent the aircraft uh, I know that the Santa does like a sleigh icon for the um, Santa it? thing each year which is quite funny <laughs> but, I love uh, it yeah. that's really quite cool so moving on to uh, the next story Nev uh, this one is for you Yes, it's on flightglobal.com, and we like Flight Global because it's got a nice font and it's easy, <laughs> easy to read, to read. Yeah, <laughs> you and your fonts yeah Yes, it's, uh, these things are important to me. Um, but uh, this is all about the uh, Lockheed Martin uh, F-35As, and they're going to be permanently based in Australia, having arrived at the Royal Australian Air Force's Williamtown base in New South Wales, bearing the registrations uh, A-35009 and A-35010. The pair reached their new home after a ferry flight across the Pacific from Luke Air Force Base in Arizona, says uh, Defence Minister Christopher Pine. Uh, this is the most advanced multi-role stealth fighter in the world, he says, and it will deliver next-generation capability benefits and provide a major boost to our intelligence, surveillance and reconnaissance capabilities. The Joint Strike Fighter can get closer to threats undetected, find, engage and jam electronic signals from targets and share information with other platforms. The pair are part of an overall acquisition of 72 F-35As for Australia, valued at uh, 17 billion Australian dollars, which is 12 billion uh, US dollars, and have been assigned to the Air Force's 3 Squadron. Ultimately, the F-35As will operate from the services based at Williamtown and Tyndall, which is in the Northern Territory. The RAAF uh, aims to achieve in initial operating capability with the type in December 2020. This milestone will include the availability of weapons such as the Raython uh, AIM-120 AMRAM and the AIM-9X Sidewinder air-to-air -air, air missiles. Uh, Boeing JDAMs and a small diameter bombs fighters internal 25mm cannon. Flight Fleet's analyzer <laughs> shows that uh, Australia has taken delivery of 10 F-35As. Uh, most of these are now serving with, in, with an international training school at Luke Air Force Base. This is not the first time that F-35A has been in Australia. So I've also visited the uh, Air Show Australia in Avalon in Queensland in early 2017. So some lovely pictures of those. I don't know whether you put those up. I did indeed, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're nice-looking aircraft, aren't they? They, really they certainly are. are, yeah. Actually, you know, on that note, Nev, about the pictures, I think one of the uh, the jobs I'm sure that quite a few of the listeners in the chat room would uh, love to have, including Jonathan Warner and Dan Hannington, will be to be an air-to-air -air photographer for uh, for the forces. I think uh, 
That would be quite yeah. an interesting photography job, that would be. That's that would, wouldn't it? would yeah. be right up their street, and they'd yeah. be very qualified for it as well. Exactly, yeah. Stress, yeah. To, to get these pictures that they've got on this news story here, yeah. you know, it's, um, yeah, that, that, what an experience that would be. Very much so, yeah. yeah. So that's where we bring the military news to a close. But uh, coming up next uh, on the show, we have uh, some festive audio that's been sent in uh, by some listeners. And as it is obviously the season of uh, happiness and jolliness and stuff and uh, Christmas uh, merriment. Right, okay. Uh, we did ask, uh, did ask the listeners to send in some feedback. So we did receive some. And uh, if Matt, if you're ready, we're going to play that for you yeah, okay, here right we go. now. Here we go. Hello, this is Jenny in Rome. Just a quick contribution from me to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and a great holiday season to everybody involved with PTUK, whether the presenters, the compilers, the listeners, contributors, all of you. Um, great show, another great year. Of course, starting off with that wonderful 200th anniversary show from London which I was very happy to be part of. Looking forward to the 300th, but that's still some way off, I guess, now. Although I have a suggestion for you. Another podcast that I listen to, Ruthie, Me and My Dad, by the way, just decided at a certain point that they were going to move into Series 2, so it stopped being called Series 1, and from one week to the next it became Series 2. So you could actually decide at any point to finish series one of PTUK and have a, a great meet-up end of series one event and then just start series two and that would allow you to do it at a warmer time of year possibly. Anyway, just throwing that out there. Bye for now. Hi to everyone listening to and watching the PTUK podcast. It's Owen here. I just wanted to say what a fantastic year it has been. 2018 was a really, really great year. 200 celebrations back in, what was it, January or February of uh, last year. That was a fantastic celebration. So glad that I managed to get down to that and uh, celebrate with all of you guys in the community. And of course, Farnborough, that was a fantastic meetup as well. And a fantastic week, one of the best weeks of 2018 for me, uh, for me for sure. Getting to meet all of you uh, and getting to see the guys from APG as well. That was such a highlight for me. And hoping it continues in uh, 2019. Hoping 2019 is a great year for all of you guys as well. Nolikon, Akli Vuash Tiyakalerk. Have a very Merry Christmas, a very uh, festive season to you all. Happy holidays and wishing you all the best in 2019. Good evening everyone, it's Dan Hannington here. Um, just sending in a quick Christmas message to wish everyone in Aviation Podcast Land a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Unfortunately, I won't be in the chat room this evening. Um, I have a good reason though i'll be at my work christmas do consuming quite a lot of beer so i will raise my pint glass to you guys um matt carlson nev uh thank you for all your hard work um with the podcast each week um it's quite a commitment to put that together every week so thank you guys really do appreciate it and i do really enjoy it um hope to see everyone in 2019 see ya <laughs> And there we are. Those are the Christmas messages oh, for uh, this year. It's lovely, it? and I do love to hear from everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Did you um, 
Yes. Uh, have you got much planned for Christmas, Nev? Uh, yes. Well, we're going to, going to um, Jersey on uh, Christmas Eve, uh, which will be nice. And just coming back on Boxing Day. So a short trip across to the small island there. And um, as long as we don't get fogged in, because that can happen. <laughs> yeah, it's a genuine <laughs> but, concern. Uh, yeah. But uh, now looking forward to that, and uh, someone else can do the Christmas dinner. Amen to that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, no, thank you to everyone who sent in those messages. That was really kind of you. And um, yeah, that is. Uh, that is. Sorry, Shall we sing as the thing? We wish you a Merry <laughs> Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Anyway, oh, it, it's going on and on. It's good, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. We're talking about some. Uh, we're talking about some jokes earlier on, but uh, oh, yes. there's a couple of jokes in the, in the chat room. Yeah, I must have. Go on, go on. Give uh, us some uh, highlights. Uh, most on. most of them are unbroadcastable. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that that's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's our that's our PTUK family. You know, they they they're great at bringing us uh, unbroadcastable chat room content. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's good of them. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> oh well. Got a of clean ones though. And uh, oh. here we are. Uh, so, who hides in the bakery at Christmas? Uh, I a don't know. Pie. A, a what? Sorry, a mint spy. A mint right. Spy. Okay. Oh, <clears throat> yes. Um, what do elves do after school? I have no idea. What their do gnome work? They, they do their gnome work. Oh. Okay. Right. <laughs> What's the sort of standard right. that you'd okay. expect to see? They're cleaner than I was expecting. There are other jokes, but unfortunately, oh, well, unless you're for... watching the live show <laughs> in the YouTube <laughs> chat room, you won't see You will them. never hear them. Yes, okay. Oh, well, fair enough. So <laughs> moving on then towards the end of the show, then just starting to wrap things up. Obviously, we have got our Christmas competition in full effect. Yes. For those of you who haven't entered yet, you've got plenty of time still because we're not going to announce the winners until our first live show back in 2019. Yep. But uh, the prizes we've got, uh, as you probably all should know by now, are phenomenal. Uh, Nev's got the book there in the, the uh, NevTech Studios of uh, Sir Richard John's book, all signed by the man himself there. As you can see, for those of you watching YouTube feed, there's the book there in its glory. Yeah. That's Bolts our top prize. from the blue, yes. Uh, we've also got uh, this awesome Avro Lancaster Mark III model here, which is a, quite a really detailed model. And you can see that on the camera there for those of you watching the YouTube world. You've got to build it yourself. The props are not on there. Oh, well, in that case, uh, I don't want it. I've got to build it myself. It, it's it's <laughs> a lovely, a really, really nice little model. We've also yeah. got, for those of you who uh, love this. Not, what, talking, not one for your air flying. This is one, uh, yeah. one for Matt. Matt, no, so Matt no, hopes not, to win this. Yes, uh, to, to watch whilst he's in an aircraft. Yeah, that's For those of you listening to the audio uh, podcast, this is the Air Crash Disasters box set as brought to you by Discovery. That's uh, six DVDs full of uh, uh, air crashes. Uh, we also <laughs> have this book that uh, kind of goes alongside the model, actually, to yeah, be fair. Absolutely. Dan Buster's yeah. Life of Guy Gibson uh, book there. And also some more DVDs. This is the War in the Air six disc collection there uh, of all bits and pieces there. There's some great DVDs in here, uh, all to do with the War in the Air. So the prizes are there. And uh, Matt is now going to run the VT with all the questions as brought to you by the awesome Owen. Hello. This no, is he's not. Oh, that's <laughs> that's feedback. You can't get the staff, can you? It's <laughs> terrible, isn't it? Should we try that again? Interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, for your chance to win some fantastic prizes in this year's PTUK Christmas competition, all you have to do is answer the following questions. 
Offbeat UK episode featured aircraft X-ray Mike 612. What is the ICAO code for the airfield Carlos learned to fly at? Apart from the Rolls-Royce RB211, what other engine has powered the Boeing 757? From these two aircraft, which has the longest fuselage? Is it A, the Airbus A340-600, or is it B, the Boeing 747-8? We all know Nev loves BA, but what year did British Airways form the budget airline GO? And what year did GO merge into EasyJet? What did the Wright brothers do before inventing an aircraft? What year was the film Airplane released? What airfield is the Queen's flight based at in the UK? The Concorde is well known for her droop nose and it was used on takeoff and landing so the pilots had an unobstructed view of the runway. On final approach, what angle was this nose selected to? Where is RAF Akratori situated and what is its ICAO code? What year was the airline Virgin Atlantic formed? NASA operate a Boeing 747SP, registration November 747 November Alpha, which is a 41-year-old airframe. But who is the first owner of this iconic airframe? So for your chance to win these amazing prizes, send your answers in to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Best of luck. And thank you very much. Thank you very much, Owen. Oh dear! Do you know he sounded an awful lot like Jenny at the beginning of that. I don't know he quite. did, yeah. <laughs> he did. He did. I My, know. It's a shame you can't get the staff. Myla's put in the chat room. and She says the questions are hard. They are I know they hard. are. Yes, I, I, I was really ruthless this year <laughs> with the questions, but you know the, the first prize and all the book to be fair, all the prizes, but the first prize that book is yeah. just so blooming awesome. Yeah, that true. We want to make things as difficult as we could for uh, for you, but. As we said at the start of the show, we have had many entries and uh, everyone's getting the questions right. They are, so yeah, absolutely. Either yeah, yeah, Google's yeah. getting a hammering, Alexa's yeah, getting a hammering, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah. what's the Google version of um, Alexa? Uh, uh, oh, I don't know. Um, something or other, Google <laughs> Some, thingy, what's name? Something. Uh, yeah. Is getting a royal hammering. But uh, yeah, indeed. Yeah, well absolutely. done to everyone who's entered so far. And as we said, we will be putting in them all, all the names in a hat at, uh, on the first live show pack yeah, and we're going to pull a name out of the hat and uh, yeah hopefully you're uh, one of you guys in the chat room may win the first prize uh, you never know you never ever know do you are you not entering nev no well of course i'm not, I'm not allowed to really no he's not oh, yes. no of course oh, yeah. no there, there are yeah. there are strict rules about that sort of thing <laughs> Absolutely. This yeah, is... so um, no, there's some great questions in there, and uh, I struggled with a number of those, I have to say, uh, when Carlos and I spoke about it uh, a couple of weeks ago now. So, uh, but uh, yeah, really good. So, looking forward to uh, drawing the winners out and uh, uh, offering the prizes. Well, yeah, absolutely. Do you know, I hope Neil Lamorne is, is joking in the chat room. Oh, really? Why? What's he said? He says it's the X ray Mike 612 questions that stumping, uh, is stumping him. I'm sure he's being silly indeed <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I've just been sent another piece of uh, uh, you may have noticed that we had uh, a message from Owen a Christmas message in, uh, from Owen in the uh, the uh, messages just there he's just sent me another video so just bear with me I, I believe this might be some um, uh, outtakes eventually I'm going to put together a blueprint reel of this
<laughs> okay, anywho, this is going to be a bit of an interesting recording. Hi guys! <laughs> you know how sometimes you start saying something and nothing records on the camera? So that's just what happened right now. And uh, this is take number... ridiculous. <laughs> Hi guys! <laughs> Let's try not to take a laughter. Hi guys! This is take... Two. And number uh, three. Yes, yes, looks like the recording. <laughs> okay, so take number ridiculous of the PTUK Christmas special. <laughs> That's why it's tape number ridiculous. You can see it on my phone. That's what I'm using to uh, to monitor all of this. It's quite nifty. This is the take where I just screw everything and. We're just gonna go for it, because this is take too many. <laughs> Hi everyone! <laughs> Hi everyone! It's Owen and... Uh... Okay, let's try that again. Take number, ridiculous. <laughs> Hi everyone, listening to and watching the PTUK. What a year 2018 has been. <laughs> I don't know how much memory I've got left on my camera. I have definitely not got a huge amount of battery, and I'm not really sure what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm gonna try. Oh my goodness. Okay, we're gonna keep rolling. Here we go. I nearly got to the end of that. I really nearly got to the end of that. I got distracted by a text on my phone. Still recording, even though my uh, even though my monitor went. Okay, that's a good thing. That much I didn't know. As I was saying to you guys, uh, not only Connor, I was absolutely watching Dave Galair. Have a very merry Christmas, a very uh, festive season to you all. Happy holidays, and wishing you all the best in 2019. <laughs> Oh, oh dear. There we are. Well, that is such a good <laughs> advert for Apple there. Well done, Owen. Just hey, proving now look that, here, you. Oh. Don't start that. Nev, sort him out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, that was very good. And, of course, uh, I think, well, we might be featuring some... Uh, Outtakes and some oh, other. God. We content. are indeed. Yes. Uh, uh, in fact, Owen in, features in, in some of those episodes. as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, our new year. We, our... we do. We do try to get it right, but just just sometimes it doesn't quite work out. It doesn't so. quite work out. Absolutely no. Uh, no, thanks. Thanks for that. As I say, everybody saying in the chat room here, there was me thinking that Owen was a consummate professional and needed it in one take. No, is the short answer. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, mate, for sending that. Well that done, Owen. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, Yay. yeah. I, I wonder why he'd gone quiet in the chat room. He was, he was obviously frantically editing that while we were doing the show <laughs> anyway i think i think he might I think it might have been a nev style uh, bloopers reel there i think you know it's uh, inspired by his skills there so <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for that uh, owen well yeah, done brilliant. well done anyway so we're going to wrap up the show now and uh, for this week and uh, it has as we said it's been a phenomenal year for the show it has it, there's it really no has. doubt about it yeah. and uh, yeah i couldn't have done it with you without you two guys uh, at uh, uh, my side, pleasure, so thank you, you to both you and uh, Nev. Thank you, mm. Nev. 
Well, you're very welcome. And uh, I've really enjoyed it. You know, we've packed a lot into this year. And uh, yeah, it's been hard work by everybody, but it's been so rewarding because mm. of the uh, excellent feedback yeah. uh, that we've had as well. So thank you and very let, much to everybody who's done that. Let's be brutally honest here. Our show wouldn't be as successful as it is if it wasn't for our fantastic listeners. So every oh, one of there. you out there uh, that uh, is, is watching or listening to the show uh, right now, I'll tell you what, everybody make a New Year's resolution this year, all right? And if you've never sent us any feedback before, then make sure you send us some feedback in 2019, all right? So it's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. You can leave us a message on Facebook, uh, and we can. Uh, you can even do an audio clip in Facebook, and we can lift it from there. Uh, it's, uh, it's really that easy. Um, and, uh, yeah, make it your New Year's resolution. Let's have uh, a little piece of audio or video feedback from at least... Well, all 50 million. Yeah, 50 million of you uh, next year, because that, <laughs> that would be great. And as I say, I promise you, if we receive your feedback, we will definitely play it. Oh, yes. There you are. Very much so. That is a heartfelt promise by me, the producer. And also, <laughs> don't forget, for those of you who love your photography and taking pictures of oh, aviation-related yeah. stuff, yeah. don't forget, if you want to send us a picture, we will uh, print it out and put it on the wall behind yeah. us. Uh, there are some additions now to the wall. You can see behind us there, behind yeah. me and Matt, yeah. uh, from Ray Davis and also Jonathan Warner. If you want to add your pictures to that list, do email yeah. your photo yeah. to the show podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and we'll print that out and stick it on the wall behind us and we'll have lots of nice pictures there. One exciting addition that we're making to the studio, hopefully early part of next year, is that behind us is going to be what they call a green screen. So we will be able to put anything we like on, on the wall essentially behind us and uh, we would like to do that with some of your fantastic pictures. So please, as Carlos says, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, www.plaintalkinguk.com is the website. From there, you can buy a fantastic T-shirt. And in the start of 2019, you will also be able to buy a fantastic mug. Yes, that, uh, we uh, will we'll be releasing details of in our first live show of 2019. But we've been doing some testing, and we've got some lovely mugs that we're pleased with. Uh, so yes, uh, that will be uh, that those will be released in 2019. And on that note, one of the uh, guests we had on uh, a, a few weeks back, uh, Paul from the Layovers podcast. Yes, uh, they on the uh, on their show they have an interesting little kind of snippet each week where they have photographs which they post on their um, site uh, from listeners who are listening to the show yes uh, on a aircraft and rather are, are you going to their idea so are you? I, I had a thought that uh, <laughs> okay. you know with with the mugs um, right. if, you, if you do purchase a ptuk mug that uh, we could have a, a kind of a, a listener photo of, of somewhere where you're drinking this uh, oh, particular okay. beverage. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that could be aviation based. Yeah. So indeed. Anyway, yeah. time to wrap up, boys and girls. I'm afraid. Yep. So that is where we are going to bring episode number 247 of the Plain Talking UK podcast to a close. A massive thanks to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube live chat room tonight. All the family members in there, yeah. as always. Thanks for taking time out of the day, and also not forgetting as well, everyone who downloads the show via audio. Uh, versions each yeah. week uh, via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean and all the other awesome uh, podcast downloading apps that you can download on your operating system so from me Carlos here in the PTUK studios have a great Christmas and enjoy yourselves and stuff 
and enjoy uh, yourselves and stuff. You heard yeah. it here first. And stuff Please yourself, <laughs> stuff yourself full of mince pies Absolutely. and Christmas puddings because I know I will. Absolutely. And oh, Christmas and also, cake. can I just say? Um, uh, where are we? So, can I just? Can I very quickly? Sorry, I, I got I'll a Christmas cake from from Matt's mum. You by did, the way. yeah, absolutely. Just so oh, I'd let you know. Um, I, I I'm not quite sure of the surname here, but can I say a special hello to? Is it James um, Andrew Andrew James? Can draw possibly James can draw oh, possibly Jan- yeah special mention to yeah, uh, yeah we uh, got an email to the show yeah that came in via your dad and yeah. uh, yes his name in the chat room is James can draw can draw that's yeah. it James can draw that's right so apologies if that's not your surname is that so James see see what he did there you see he did that right <laughs> it's James can draw you see I was trying to make yeah. it into something else but anyway but, uh, yeah he's, uh, he's James, James can draw in the chat yeah. room so yeah thanks for watching this show special mention to you there. yeah absolutely and I promise you as soon as we know of any uh, planned meetups for twenty. 19 we will yeah. email you back personally uh, so that you know but uh, yeah thank you for your email as i say that message came in from his dad um so thank you very much for that and yeah that's it that's where we're going to bring episode 247 you do realize that the first show of 2019 will be episode 250 Woo-hoo! i know yeah, absolutely, and and uh, yes, we've got uh, we've already got a very special guest. Perhaps, that. Matt, that'll be the show yeah. where we get lots of feedback sent in for our two hundred for our two hundred and fiftieth show. So yes, as it is our two hundred and fiftieth <laughs> show, uh, in uh, on the first live show in twenty nineteen, perhaps you would be so good enough and kind enough to send yeah. us some audio feedback. Podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Anyway, this is officially the longest wrapping up of a show ever in the entire. Thanks, Nev. Life. Nev, anything to add? To Pleasure. The- nightmare that is i don't think so just uh, <laughs> happy uh merry christmas to everybody and thank you very much indeed everybody for watching during 2018 yeah. and thanks for your wishes as well and hope you have a, a safe and uh, and happy christmas it has really been an incredible year hasn't it i mean we really have the had had the best year and that's all down to you our wonderful listener so thank you so very much so from all of us here in the studio he's tapping his watch look from all of us here in the studio and <laughs> there from everyone. the buckinghamshire studio it's time yes. to say goodbye everyone Bye. Bye. Merry Christmas. Yeah.